Welcome to the Arc of Ohio podcast. I am Lindsay Althaus with Jen Powers Algae, and we are so excited for you to hear this episode today. Yeah, so even though it's cold and January is not our favorite, we have some really great guests today. So mm -hmm. I want to introduce Michael Denlinger and Carolyn Knight. Thank you so, both. Yeah, so great to have you guys here. Great to be here. Thank you. Thank you. We we are pleased to be here. We've never um, been on this program before. <laughs> well, you've been around a long time, Carolyn, and you too, Michael. Since the first time I started advocating for my own kids, I um, started following you both. And then I got to meet Michael last year when I first started. Um, we met over at Ken Anderson Alliance, had some coffee, and I was like, oh, this guy is going to teach me so much. And so I'm <laughs> glad to have him in my circle and so I was like please Michael will you be on the podcast because I feel like more people need to hear from you and he said yeah but I need I'm gonna bring Carolyn on too <laughs> and so we're just excited that you're here and we want to talk about um D Ohio DD Council we want to talk mm -hmm. about what your roles are on um in the Ohio Department of Developmental Disabilities and how did you both get involved so Michael let's start with you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got involved at the Ohio DD Council? Well, um, I've I've been working as an advocate for now over twenty years. I can't I can't believe that it's actually been that long. But um, I started working as an advocate through United Cerebral Palsy of Cincinnati, which uh, unfortunately no longer exists. And um, I got I got trained. Through, through an advocacy professional there by the name of Debbie Dace, who taught me everything I knew and of course, and everything I know, and then I learned more over time. And um, then, and then I just, I had eventually moved on to specializing in housing, mostly housing, and a little bit of transportation. And then I had basically been doing pretty much local stuff for most of my advocacy career up until 2015 when <laughs> when I got a letter that myself and around 150 or 60 other people excuse me 160 other people <laughs> were were going to be impacted by the loss of our vouchers to stay in our homes and when I did that, I, 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 I did what you would usually think, and I called around to all of the agencies and, and said, what are we going to do about this? And Well, they had no plan. They had no plan. So, but they said, don't worry, we'll take care of it. They, they literally said, don't do anything, which I thought was very strange. So I... I said, no, I'm going to do something on my own. So I created a petition on change.org and I got, I believe it was over 250 signatures. I don't remember the exact amount, but that amount of signatures was enough to, 
amount of sense was enough to persuade the local Cincinnati Metropolitan Housing to create new vouchers for not only myself, but everyone who was impacted. And most of us, my understanding is, got to actually stay in our homes and we didn't have to leave. And from there, I met through, I met through Debbie Greenbaum, who is a wonderful advocate from, from Cincinnati. I met a man by the name of Bob Locks, who she had told, who she had told about me. And he just said, oh, well, I have to have him on my housing group. And he was, uh, he was working through a grant that DD Council had at the time. And from there, I met him. He invited me to be part of his group. And then from there, I met Carolyn and I met a staff member who's no longer with us by the name of uh, Patika Ayers. She retired at the end of last year. And uh, that's how I, that's how I met Carolyn and I got involved with, with uh, DD Council shortly after, because uh, after I successfully got the uh, vouchers together, my name was everywhere. And pretty much everybody said, you should apply for council. <laughs> so, and I applied for council and, and well, the rest, as they say, is history. <laughs> and 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 while and and while I was on, and boy, while I was on council, it was it was a whirlwind. <laughs> Excuse me, I gotta catch my breath. Yeah, Michael, I um, I always get people who ask me, "How do I become an advocate? How do I?" get started. I want to be an advocate. And I'm like, honestly, the way to do it is just actually help yourself, what you need, what your family needs, what your community needs around you. And then somebody will ask you to join, you know, their effort, you know, usually that's how it works. Cause it's, that's the best advocacy is to do honestly, when your back's against the wall and you need to make some change. And that's exactly what, I mean, someone's trying to take your home away from you. I mean, there is there yeah. anything more important than your home? Well, no, and well, and see, that's the crazy thing. That's the crazy thing, right? Well, and when, and when all of the agencies and everybody that I, that I work with and that I called said, "Well, don't do anything. You know, we'll take care of it." Um, I was like, frankly, if I may speak frankly, I was like, "What the hell?" Yeah, <laughs> because. I was like, this cannot be real. Why, how, why are they not saying to me, thank you for calling, let's, let's work together on an advocacy effort, you know, let's, let's do this. Yeah. But they, the response I got was, well, just sit tight and we'll take care of it, basically. And as I'm sure... Carolyn can now attest to this many times over. I'm not, I'm not one to just sit on my hands and just say, <laughs> okay, well, I'll let you do it. So, no, you're not. So, no, you're not. And thankfully, 
you're not because we need you in this fight. There's probably nobody better. And that that's why you're still in your home and many others as well. And that's why you're in such positions that you are because we need well, you. Well, and you know, I'll tell you, and we'll move on to more of the story in a minute if you want, but I'll tell you, it was interesting because I got phone calls, you know, during that whole process, which I think only lasted like a few months because it didn't take long for people to take notice and start saying, we got to do something about this, thankfully. But during that process, I got phone calls that were not so good saying, you've got to stop what you're doing. You've got to let the professionals handle this. And, and I said, well, I am a professional because <laughs> I'm an advocate with a disability. How much more professional can you get? You know, that's that's the most lived experience that anyone could ask for, you know. Just ask anyone with a disability. They'll tell you nobody knows better than we do. That's right. And, and so, and so, you know, I and I actually got a few calls. Luckily, there weren't many, but there were a few calls that were even kind of threatening at times, telling me that I needed to just stop, but I couldn't stop because. Well, and I had even gotten an offer that said, if you stop, you know, you and your roommate will be taken care of and you'll have everything you need and you'll have a place to live if you just don't do this. And I said, thank you, go stick it in your ear. <laughs> be, because, uh, you know, the, it was bigger than me at that point. That's and right. I, I had actually gotten to, I had actually gotten to talk to other families who were affected by this. And I remember and there was one mother, this was one family that I don't remember if her kids had disabilities or not, but her family was impacted by this. And she had gotten a hold of my number and called me and actually and actually thanked me for the work I was doing. And I, I kept in touch with her all the way through getting her housing situation fixed. And so, and that's just one example. And if I would have backed off and if I would have let my fight go, that woman and her kids would have been devastated. And I couldn't, I couldn't allow that to happen. You know, you, it's, about, it's about solidarity. You know, you've got to stick together. You have to fight together. Because if you give that up, what else is there? Now you guys can understand why when I first met Michael that I was like, <laughs> I, anytime, especially if I get a little discouraged in my job or like he's saying, um, people are telling me, you know, like back off that policy a little bit. People aren't ready for that. I call Michael and I'm like, can we get lunch? <laughs> he will well, like You're amazing, comment. Michael. You're amazing. Carolyn, you. introduce yourself. I want to hear about your story and how you first met Michael. Mm -hmm. um, well, I'm Carolyn Knight. I've been around a, a long, long time. I, um, I am currently the director of the Ohio DD Council. 
and that's a um, that's a federal uh, federally funded organization. We are so fortunate. There's one in every state, and the gov the uh, <coughs> uh, federal government funds funds the state according to its DD and total population, um, and and so that's that's what your funding is based on. And we we. Um, we happen to be seventh in the country in terms of funding, so we're in, that's kind of nice to know. You you wouldn't think you don't think of Ohio um, as a big big population state, but it is. It's seventh in the country, so that's that's how we get our funding, and we then provide grants to folks uh, to to organizations actually who want to do um, particular work. And we set the subject matter, employment being one of the biggies, as you might uh, imagine this year. Um, and, and so we say, okay, we have these categories. We'd like you to come in and submit grants. Here are the, here, here's the layout. Here's how you do it. Here's what we want to know. And then we, we choose, uh, and here's the amount of money. And then we choose those grants. Generally, the, that's a five-year process, process. You get the grant for five years. Now, oftentimes, though, something may come up and we say, oh, this we're only going to need a couple of years on this, so we'll, we'll just fund it for two years. But it is wonderful to have five years um, to develop uh, something, an area, because that really gives you a start. Because we all know in this, a year is gone like that, and you just haven't accomplished as much as, as you want. And then, of course, the council itself is the, the seats are set out, but there must be more than uh, more than half of those 30 some seats must be filled by the governor by people with DD themselves or family members. And then the rest are filled with <clears throat> agencies like DODD, uh, DHS, who, who can help um, figure out those grants and what should happen. So it's a really unique group of people. So we come, we meet um, four or five times a year and we figure out those grants and then we have those grants come in and tell us what's happening. And sometimes, you know, you have grants who come in and say, hey, I'm done. I got three years in. I'm done. I did it. It's it's finished. That that's really wonderful. And sometimes you have grants come in and say, this is I I don't think I'm ever going to be done. You know, it's just a long term process. So but in the meantime, all those people like Michael are learning and growing, meeting people. They come in two times. Uh, or they come in about five times a year, stay overnight in a hotel. We pay for everything. Thank you for the That's spending. awesome. Babysitting, you uh -huh. name it. We don't want these folks to have to spend a penny out of their own pocket. Um, and and that's that has not been a problem. I'm I'm really terrible because I'm always trying to something that that's not supposed to be funded. I'm still trying to figure out how to fund because we need those people so much, and it's not fair for them for them to have to to have to pay anything. But then it also gives you a one gives somebody like Michael. Now there's no mandate on who could be chair. You know, could be a family member, could be a professional. But we 
this council has particularly loved the idea of a person with DD being chair, and I, I personally find that um, the way it the way it ought to be. And of course, nobody has done a better job than Michael. He was born for it. His personality, you know, he loves it. He's not shy, so he's the perfect example. He was already known when he came in, but now uh, he's so well known. And of course, it lets every other person with a DD say, I could do that. I, mm -hmm. I could do what he does. Um, so that's that's what I love. So we have people on council saying, Carolyn, you, you, do you think I could be chair next time? And it's like, sure, you could. You just gotta, just gotta fly. So it's a really unique organization because it's not just about the money and the grants. It's about showcasing people with TD and giving them their time to shine. Yeah, and the governor appoints Michael, right? He he does. He appoints all the um, council members. We send over two two applicants for every spot. He picks, and sometimes he picks somebody that wasn't one of the two applicants. Hey, he's the governor. If he wants Joe Smith out there, right. that we never heard of. <laughs> hey, but generally he he listens to us and picks the two, and then um, he chooses as well the chair. So. So um, it, it's been a wonderful uh, relationship. I think this governor particularly, I think is thoroughly, he is a man with eight children of his own, I do believe. So he has some sense, some real keen sense for the DD field period. So um, he's been wonderful about, about choosing folks who can then showcase the whole DD issue in a wonderful way like Michael has. Well, if I if I could chime back in for one moment, um, one one of the things, one of the things that I loved about being chair and running that, uh, running our council, is, you know, working with all of our council members and our staff. And I I will do want to say real quick, um, I've had the privilege through being chair of meeting so many people from around the country and around the state especially. And I would say that, I would say that, you know, and I've even met people from other councils. And I would say that for me personally, and I know there might be a little bit of bias here, but I think our council and our staff is one of the best, bar none. We do a lot of great work. And I would say that, um, working with my council members throughout my time as chair has been amazing. And especially, you know, the council members with developmental disabilities, like that's been amazing. And watching, the, watching them say, as Carolyn said, well, I can do that too. And then getting to mentor some of these council members and help them along the way and teach them what I know has been just a rewarding experience and I've loved every second of it. We, we I would say council is part of the department of DD, but we kind of are our own group. We have our own funding, whatever. And I must say 
Um, the department just says, council, you just go to it, you do what you need to do, anything we can do to help you. They've been a wonderful support to us, but, um, and, and if there's any intercession with the governor, governor or whatever, they're, they're happy to do that. But so, so it's really wonderful because our staff have, you know, our state employees and, and have a wonderful career ahead of them, but yet we, we're sort of the best of both worlds. It's, it's really interesting, wonderful benefits and that kind of thing. Unlike some of the, well, ARC, you know, which is a volunteer organization and it's a lot tougher. So we carry, I, I know that it is. So we carry that extra, that extra oomph from the state, uh, of, of the, the state agency. And that, that means a lot too. So it's, it's a, as you can tell, it's a really unique, organization. It has, as I said, both the best of both worlds and you just don't see that, you know, that often. And as I also said, there's one, there's a council in every state. I don't know if they all have the <laughs> wonderful relationships that we do with the governor and the department, but we are sure fortunate. Yeah, I think we're in a really good time right now where mm -hmm. I, I don't think, I mean, I'm, my kids are 13 and 11, so I've only been involved in DD world for that long, but um, I've never felt more uh, positive about where our right. departments are, about where our, the, uh, basically the people that should be in charge are in charge right. and the the advocates who are top of the line in the best positions are, ex are exactly who we want there. Right. Like Michael and mm -hmm. now with, with Jennifer Kuchera, who just um, right. became the chair and, um, the next yeah. city council and it's exciting because you know we shouldn't skip a beat from Michael you know you worry when Michael had to roll off I'm like oh no who's gonna be next <laughs> and then it seems yeah. like Jennifer is just gonna pick up the torch and continue all the progress that you all yeah. made yeah. yeah I I think I think Jennifer's gonna I think Jennifer's gonna do well I I think she's gonna do phenomenal I I know Jennifer well I've worked with her for I think the last couple of years she's been on council and and uh, I think she, and I've spoken with her since she took over the position, and I think she's going to do well. And, of course, if, I don't think she'll need very much help at all, but if she has any questions, I'm certainly available, and I've, I've, I've made her aware of that, but I think she's going to do just fine. And I think, yeah. I think council's in good hands. And of course, Michael, you might want to reference Renee, who was the first um, member of council, a person with a disability to, to become chair. And she kind of started it off. And she comes from the Independent Living Center movement, which is also uh, very interesting because those are people um, who have physical disabilities, but no mental disability. And I think there are only a couple of states in the country where those two groups come together, the DD folks and them, and get along really well. So that's, that was, that was um, wonderful too. And of course, Renee is, is now so well known in the state. Yeah, I'm, well, I mean, that's the thing. What can, what can you say about Renee Wood? I mean, <laughs> Renee is Renee is just amazing, and I mean, frankly, I'm proud to call her a colleague and a friend. You know, um, because I met her 
also on the from the Bob Locks group. And I've I've known her since and she and I've stayed in touch and she's actually she and um Mark Seifert, who were, who's also another past chair of yeah. the ED Council, the both of them, um, and they both have disabilities as well. That the both of them gave me wonderful. Alexa, stop. <laughs> Sorry about that. the both of okay. them. <laughs> the both of them gave me wonderful. Wonderful, just impeccable advice when I and they were both they were both there for me if I was ever stuck or if I had a question or if I just needed to vent off about the craziness <laughs> of, of being the chair of council. And sometimes there is craziness, but we get it done. Um, and you know they were they were both there for me in phenomenal ways. And I intend to do the same for Jennifer. She yes. needs me. So you see, you're you're building this team of people with DD. Renee's from Toledo. Doesn't matter, but you see this team of people. Michael's gonna be around. These people are around and, and are well known now and can be called upon for all the needs in the DD community. Well, and and Carolyn touched on an interesting thing there too. Like even though um, Mark and Renee, for example, have been off council for some time, they're still, and they don't come to as many meetings anymore, but they're still ever present. Yeah. And they still work with us. <laughs> and and they and they're still they're they're still around and they still do stuff with us. And I intend once the governor replaces me to still do the same thing. And it's like Carolyn said, we're in many ways, and it might sound cliche, but we're not just a team, we're a family in a lot of ways. Because yeah. one, once you're part of it, you're never really gone. And, right. and we all continue to, we all continue to work together for the greater good of people with disabilities and get things done. And that, I think, is such a big part of what makes Ohio stand out. I think so too, yeah. Michael. And are the, the Ohio um, aware Advocacy and um, Awareness Day um, for DODD is coming up here, March 12th. Registration. Oh, I, I, I registered yesterday. Me too. Right? <laughs> Yep, and registration opened yesterday. Is it is it over already? Because you know, usually that's gone in a day. I my goodness. Yeah. That that was a council project that just started out small and who knew? It's such yeah, a great event. Amazing. It is. And it's it's a good time. Like we talk a lot about our state house and meeting with our reps. And I just think that is just a great time to, you know, listen to what the speakers have to say, what are the priorities, and then meet with your reps and, you know, show the power of the DD community because right. it's always such a well-attended event. And right. it's like, don't forget about us, even though you're only going to pass. I mean, the budget was huge. It That showed the power of yeah. the community. And you all did such a great job pulling in so many great testimonies for the budget. And so I'm hopeful that at our um, 
DD Awareness Day that we're going to have some some priorities there. What do you think is the priority right now? Right, right now for me, I think I think a priority is honestly one of food and shelter and inflation. You know, because so many people and I I can count myself as one of these as well, unfortunately. Um, so many of us are just struggling right now since everything got out of control. And luckily, luckily, I'm still making it. And as far as I know, most people, most people that I know are. But I see something on the horizon, honestly, where I feel like this could get really bad. So we need we need to figure out how to make sure that the resources and the things that people with disabilities need are going to be there. And to that end, I would also have to include housing. There's because yeah. the housing, the housing crisis has just gotten so much worse. And then this is only compounded also, as we all know, by the DSP crisis. So yeah. I would say housing, being able to have the things we need and, um, and, you know, um, I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought. But I would say that those housing DSP crisis and being able to survive, those are going to be the three things for me that I think are going to be paramount there. We really are, we really are going to need to be working on because that's going to, that's going to affect people with disabilities and our families first. What do you think, Carolyn? In so many ways. I, I agree with Michael. Housing seems to be a priority. You know, at one time we would have said employment, um, but with the shortfall, that's not to say that employment is fixed, but with the shortfall of workers across the board, uh, every McDonald's you see, a, you see a help wanted sign, that the employment for people with disabilities, those numbers have risen uh, a great deal. So that's there and, and we're working on it. But uh, yeah, getting people, parents are waiting. Many parents are waiting. They're older and they're saying, oh, oh, you've got to be able to take my son before something happens to me. And they're on a list and, and we're trying, but boy, it's, it's tough and we need money. You know, we always need money to see that those homes are, are built in the, in the various counties. So, so that's it. We just need to keep people rolling out and, and we're doing, and we're all unified. The, the other thing I think about the field is we, we weren't always so fond of each other. We, we have had our times when, you know, we were at each other's throats about one thing or another. And that, that I've never seen, seen though, a field so unified as today. Families, providers, you know, people with disabilities, the department, we're all working towards the same things. Everybody, everybody's in lockstep. It's really wonderful to see. Yeah, I think housing, from what I hear too, is it is a, a huge challenge and one that's so complex. Um, and you all do a fine job. I, I I know the counties well, and I know you do as fine a job as any in the in the state. And yet, you still need more. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be a long haul. I think we all need to work together on it. And like you're saying, I do see some collaboration, which is good. Um, right. Another issue we 
harassing um one thing we're kind of seeing coming down the line is the subminimum wage bill um getting rid of 14 c's um and so that might be introduced that bill in the next few weeks and right. I'm a little worried about it just because um, I don't want families. I worry. We are so unified. We were so unified on the yes. on the DSP crisis and um, coming together and getting those testimonies out. And it was just so clear what the answer, you know, that they had right. to do something. Um, right. Whereas with the subminimum wage, um, you know, we at the ARC are fully um, in support. Mm -hmm of the, you know, getting rid of 14 C's here in Ohio over time, you know, with the, with a plan. Um, and we, we're supportive of the bill along with 91 other signatures that were on a, on a letter to, to our Congressman, um, who's tr trying to get that, that bill, um, introduced, but I will say that I'm a little worried about some of the controversy or consternation among our community. And what do you all think about subminimum wage. Do you ever talk about it at your DD council meetings? Oh, we have. We have indeed. And um, I think the, the many people, as you say, are in favor of it. But there are family there are families who know that their son and daughter will not be working, that that's not what's going to happen. And they and they need to be reassured. I understand. So they're not pleased about this. They have loved those those places. They have been wonderful for their sons and daughters. So we need to be able to reassure them that no matter what happens, we'll have some sort of remedy for this. This field isn't known for turning its back on any group of folks. You know, if we do this and this works, then we'll come over here and look and see what we need to do for them. But we haven't, we're not quite there yet in terms of reaching those folks, but you can understand their concern and we're all gonna try to work uh, to reassure those folks that this shouldn't be a struggle. This should be talking about where we're gonna go and how we're gonna fix things yes. together. Yes, exactly. I think the same thing, Carolyn. There's a lot of fear and you can feel it in the yeah. meetings. Yes. But at the same yeah. time, like we can we like I said, this is the best time, you know, we need to take what we did during the budget and continue our efforts. And I would rather Ohio be ready in that OOD and our vocational rehabs all be ready for right. you know, um all right. of the people with the developmental disabilities to not, you know, to to make subminimum wage or to have a great day program or have a great vocational rehab and rather than be you know this pass on the federal level or something right. else happened right. where well, they we don't, don't have, have any funding. yeah we yeah. don't have any choice in the in the language yeah yeah that's my thing i'm like let's just work together <laughs> right. let's and do it ourselves let's do it ourselves and at, we're best at that in ohio so that's what I, I hope i hope we can can get there on it what do you think michael um I'm going to have to mirror a lot of what Carolyn said and because I, I feel the same way and I I know and have spoken to many people with disabilities and families just locally about about the sub-minimum wage issue and Carolyn's right. There are a lot of families that know or they feel like that's not going to be their son or their daughter or their loved one who's going to be able to work in a regular job. And so I'm glad that we're tackling that issue because those people are going to be the people that are going to need a lot of assistance from us to make sure that they don't fall into the cracks. And while and I am a while I am a staunch supporter of getting rid of sub minimum wage because 
I don't think that it is right or fair. I I want to make sure that in doing that, we don't create another problem by by leaving those individuals with disabilities who, who may not be able to work in a regular employment setting behind. Right. And so, so, you know, I do think it's important that we're looking into that. And we're in this, Carolyn said, we're not there yet, but we do, we do hear them. And we do want them to know that we're working. The other big one is transportation. And we just had a big transportation meeting um, up in Columbus, um, Christine Brown and the um, Ohio, um, oh, help me here, Carolyn. What well, group we sponsored that and the Department of Transportation. We've never had a speaker from the actual Department of Transportation. She wasn't for DD, she was just for transportation. And I tell you, I, I happened to be there and the note taking, and it's just, uh, oh my word, there were so many quirks and turns. That is a complicated yes, issue, is. but there are things to do and ways to go and whatever. But um, some of us came away as a group saying, we need a real transportation uh, day here. We, we need to sponsor a day to make people aware that there are some remedies here because mostly all we're doing is complaining about it. That's uh, right. And fearing it, but we, we got to do more. And I came out of there with remedies in my head that, that we could take on and some other organizations too. So I, that was it, that was small. There were only 30 or 40 folks there, but boy, it was, uh, it was great for those that were there and the department was there. Yes, uh, they were listening to everybody. Everybody was listening. Anytime we can get a group together, I think to yes to yes. bring up the worries, to bring up what's actually out there. Because I learned a lot too about what the Department of Transportation actually does offer, and these mobile right. managers that are already there that we can talk to when we have problems. Right. I wasn't really aware, like of that, and so I was like, oh, this is great. So, yeah. and also that you can bring together, you know, private funds and some public right. funds and create good transportation options in your yeah. own community because obviously we we're okay in some places but then mm -hmm. in our more rural um mm -hmm. area, yes. really struggle and you know i've tried to talk to um senator wilson about this a couple times because he was trying to work on something mm. with cincinnati metro trying to help out the rest of the rural communities up oh, in like yes. county where he is and so i would love to actually like have more meetings like that where right. we bring in Cincinnati Metro and some employers and but Michael where do you feel like transportation how do you feel like it, it is it improving or are we still having major issues I will say it's improving and we still are having major issues yeah I mean I have seen some, some improvements locally Metro is has made great strides to like they they have a service I'm sure you know Jen called Metro Now yep. where that's rolling out in different areas across the city. I actually can't wait for it to get to my area. It's not in my area yet, but it's in it's in Mount Healthy, which is where my friend Dakota lives, and I've had a couple of opportunities to use the service with him, and it is wonderful. And I 
I do think that that could be the future of transportation for people with DD, especially because it basically works a lot like Uber. You pay two bucks and it it takes you within the zone that they want to go that they go to. It takes you directly to that place. Like, like say, like say, like today is Tuesday. If I, if I lived in Mount Healthy, for example, and I needed to make an emergency trip to the grocery store, all I got to do is get on the app on my phone and schedule it like an Uber. They come to the door, they pick you up, they take you to the groceries. Now, the cool thing about that, <coughs> excuse me, the cool thing about that is that um, you can do it on a whim. You no longer. With Metro now, you don't have to schedule at least 24 hours in advance. You know, I usually tell people that the only one of the bad things about having a disability is that your life is always scheduled. You can't, right. you can't ever do anything on a whim. Like you can't usually get up and say, "I want to go to the movies today," or "I." If you didn't schedule it the day before. You ain't doing it. And, <laughs> you know, Metro now is eventually, I believe, going to ch change that. The issue there is, I see it, unfortunately, is as long as it's limited by zones and you can't cross a zone line, that's that's eventually going to be an issue. But my hope is, is that once Metro now expands out into other areas, eventually that they'll take away the zone barrier and you'll be able to you'll be able to travel out further even if you have to pay a slightly increased fee you know because to me that would be worth it yeah to be able to have the freedom and independence because right now it's only two dollars and to be able to have to be able to have the freedom and independence to decide to do things on a whim and not to always have my life completely scheduled yeah. would be would be nice. But so I do think that if handled correctly, Metro Now can be the future. But but I do say that Metro Now, and this is very important, and there are those out there who might not like me saying this, but I've never been one to mince words. Metro now does not have to be the only option. I am not opposed to anyone who has other ideas to help Metro now or to fill gaps when Metro can't. Because let's face it, every time you do something new, there's always going to be issues. And if somebody else can fill a gap that Metro can't, I'm not opposed to that. Like, <laughs> for example, and I tell everybody this, and I'm going to mention it on this podcast because I want many people to hear it. Council right now has a grant called the Replicate and Expand Transportation Project through Athens County. Now, just to give you just to give you a little bit of background there, Athens County back in 2012. Um, they were they're a very rural county as i'm sure you know and they don't they have a lot of trouble getting services and servicing 
they're individuals with DD in the community. So working with us, we created a grant where they would create something called Athens on Demand. And they not only take people with DD around Athens, but they have the revolutionary and amazing idea of what if we allowed them to go outside of Athens County and to see friends and to, you know, do other fun things or to just live life because so many transportation services out there in the state of Ohio and probably across the country, I'm assuming, so many transportation services will usually either only take you to work or a doctor's appointment. But Athens and council said, well, how? what if you want to go see your friends? What if you just want to be out in the community? You know, what if you want to be like everybody else and live your life? Right, so, and not everybody works nine to five. And that's what, yeah. it just doesn't make sense, especially with us getting so accessible with Uber and DoorDash and all these other things that are so great. You would think it would just continue to increase the accessibility, but I don't want us to just think, oh, because we have these things now that we're good to go. Because I know that there's still issues, like you're saying, especially well, in the places so I like that idea Athens was brought up at that meeting oh, as, really? as a model yeah. yeah yes they were well, they? <clears throat> and, and what I want to say what I want to say to that is that grant as you can tell by Athens being brought up in that meeting that grant that council had went gangbusters and it worked well for Athens and it obviously worked well for us and, you know, we were happy to be part of that and help out with that. So out of that, after that grant was over, we created the Replicate. And I believe this was also part of Evan's idea, if I'm not mistaken, Carolyn. Mm -hmm. um, out of that, we created the Replicate and Expand Transportation Grant, which continues the work that we're doing in Athens, but it also we we set it up so that if any other county in the state of Ohio, and again, I want to stress any other county, any county can take part in this. If they want to learn how to do what Athens did and do it in their county, um, they can do it. All they need to do is either reach out to council and say, how do I do this? Or get in touch with Athens with Athens themselves and say that you wanna be part of the replicate and expand transportation project to do it in your county. And we'll work together and we'll make it happen. That's what the grant is there for. So I would encourage anyone, including Hamilton County to use that. And I've, And I've had discussions at length about this with people at the Hamilton County Board. So hopefully they decide to take advantage of the grant at some point and just do it. Because I know Metro is doing great things right now. And I absolutely don't want to discount Metro's work. They're doing great. Yeah. But there's always room for more. 
in yeah. my opinion. So if we can make a version of Athens on demand work for Cincinnati or any other county in the state, I say we do it. Yeah. And the grant money's there. It doesn't make sense for any county not to at least look into it. That's right. Well, and, and so, they just need to hear from you, Michael. I mean, and when are you going to run for office? That's my last question, and then we'll wrap up. Yeah, I would vote for you in a heartbeat, Michael. Well, I will, tell you, I will tell you both that you are far from the first people to talk to me about this. I'm trying. I'm working on it. I'm working. Yeah, every time I talk to you, I'm like, please run for council, run for work. I mean, anything, school board. I just think you would just be a great leader that to have mm -hmm. our kids. Yes. Lindsay and I both have kids yes. with disabilities and we need more advocates. There's nothing oh. more important than someone who actually has lived experience being in a leadership position. Right. Well, thank you. Thank you. That means a lot. But uh, Car Carolyn, has also, Carolyn has also been a huge supporter of me going into politics. Oh. And you never know something like that could be on the horizon so we'll see we'll see what happens i'm back on the pod and talk to us about it yeah and i was gonna say promise me this that you will come back onto our pod and announce when you <laughs> yes. please wonderful thank you both so much I, this I has will. been a great I'm conversation pleasure. i could talk to you all day you know that <laughs> I'm and pleasure. if you if you want to know more about dd council look them up um, is there any contact or any info you want to share right now other than you just you can reach our website at ddc.ohio.gov and we're always looking for new members so whether you're a person with a developmental disability a family member or a professional if you want to apply apply it's a great experience you'll have an opportunity to do great work on council it's great staff great people i can't say enough great things apply ddc.ohio.gov these are best advocates <laughs> thank you amazing thank you thank, thank you michael you. and we'll definitely have jennifer kuchera on next year sure. if she or this sure. you know sure. as she gets behind the wheel we're excited to see the work that you guys do <laughs> mm -hmm. we appreciate your time thank, thank you guys. Yeah. thank you thank you